Hi, my name is Christine Murray, Editor-in-Chief of The Developer, and welcome to The Developer Podcast, where we talk about the spaces between the buildings and how they can help us to make better cities. How do we renew our places with shared prosperity? Without gentrification, or rising house prices, and the living costs that lock people out. How do we mend the social and income inequalities that have been proven to affect everyone's health and mental well-being from the richest to the poorest? This week I'm speaking to Andrew Westwood, who is a member of the Greater Manchester Independent Inequalities Commission. Their latest report, The Next Level, Good Lives for All in Greater Manchester, puts forward some ambitious proposals to create a city region where, quote, no one is left behind. The vision we describe is not utopia and it is not a pipe dream, the commission writes. Everything we describe is already happening somewhere. So welcome, Andrew. It's really good to have you here today. Cool. Well, it's nice to be here. I'm uh, Andy Westwood. I'm a a professor of government practice at the University of Manchester, and I'm also uh, vice dean of humanities, which is uh, one of the three faculties at the university. But for the context of this conversation, I was also a commissioner on the Greater Manchester Inequalities Commission, which has just recently reported and was originally set in train by uh, the mayor, Andy Burnham, who's facing an election to uh, uh, to continue that office uh, later this week. So tell me about the report, the commission and the ambitions uh, behind the setup of that commission and its report. So the the setting up of the, the report and the commission itself was um, quite a lengthy process. Uh, Greater Manchester as a, as a city region, which is a big city region, uh, one and a half, two million people, um, in the kind of northwest of England, big former industrial city at the at the heart of it, but uh, surrounded by former industrial towns, e- experiencing varying degrees of economic change and economic success uh, over the last, uh, uh, not just the last few years, but the last hundred years. Um, so, in in lots of ways, the 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 kind of run up to the commissioning of, of this commission kind of came from uh, the initial creation of uh, a mayor for that city region. And originally, uh, a lot of devolution to that office, not just in Greater Manchester, but in other city regions across England, was really led by a kind of an economic plan. You know, how do you create more jobs? How do you create more wealth? How do you um, uh, renew uh, the economies of struggling cities in, in England? And, and and this inequalities commission was partly a reaction to a, a, a process and a set of powers that had that had been economic, fundamentally economic in their nature. Uh, and there was always a, a sense that at some point there would have to be something that looked not just at the economy over the last decade or so, uh, but also on at, at society and at, at communities, at individuals, and how they they had and were experiencing the kind of impact of those economic changes introduced uh, and considered kind of in the run-up to the setting up of a, a mayor and a combined authority covering the whole of Greater Manchester. So in, in some ways, that the, the, the kind of preamble to, uh, to the Inequalities Review and the Inequalities Commission was a long, detailed kind of journey that, that probably concentrated much more on, on kind of economic issues than on social issues. And the, the specific commission, uh, when it was uh, set up, 
was was partly there to kind of you know consider consider that you know what what were the what were the kind of social things that that kind of weren't really considered when Manchester was granted a whole bunch of new powers, and also um, you know what were the social consequences of a pretty tough period in in Manchester's life. So at the time it got and introduced a mayor, it experienced kind of ten years of. Uh, um, of, of uh, uh, trying kind of conditions after the financial crisis, um, but also a period where uh, the government of the time, uh, still still the government in some ways, uh, had introduced quite a, a, a serious programme of, of austerity, of kind of cuts to local authority budgets and to public services in in, in lots of different places. So, so, so the Inequalities Commission was really a, a stock take of that. Um, and then... You know, it it had all it all kind of came together in a rush uh, uh, in the last few months, um, partly partly fueled by by COVID uh, and the impact of COVID, and partly by the Black Lives Matter movement. So, you know, that long history and that short immediate history kind of came together, and uh, uh, the mayor Andy Burnham said, "Okay, well now now's the time to do an inequalities commission." Uh, let's set it up and kind of point it at all of those issues, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what it does. So, when you talk about that span of issues, you mentioned Black Lives Matter. You mentioned COVID because the Northwest was quite heavily hit. Um, but also maybe looking at some of the other um, issues that Greater Manchester have been facing as well. What what are what do you see as the challenges in the in the Northwest? Well, um, I mean, all of those different timelines and issues kind of, you know, come together in in kind of everyday everyday issues, and uh, and those everyday issues kind of you know do contain a, a series of stark inequalities, and you can kind of come at those in a number of different ways. Obviously, Black Lives Matter came from the perspective of, of race, um, uh, uh, and um, some aspects of the Inequalities Commission. Uh, um, over a long period of time, that span I've just described, come at it from not just poverty, but also a kind of underperforming economy that, that is obviously connected to that. Uh, a city, a city region in England that, um, you know, at one point had led the Industrial Revolution and was a very rich, productive city, but hasn't been, hasn't been a city like that for a very long time. Um, so, uh, uh, so, so, a kind of you know, a, a load of inequality relating to the economy, from from everyday poverty to some long term structural issues. Uh, the the UK and England in particular is incredibly unequal economically, um, perhaps the most unequal um, country in the OECD. So, you know, the difference. Between regions, between the richest regions, London and the southeast, and the poorer regions, the gap is larger than than virtually every other country in Europe and the and in the OECD. But those gaps are also uh, replicated within regions and within city regions. So another big aspect of that that kind of inequality uh, is not just about race and income; it's also about place. So uh, uh, whilst Greater Manchester as a whole significantly underperforms similar sort of second tier cities in other countries, it's a long, long way behind London and the South East. 
um, it also uh, um, it, it, it also kind of includes those inequalities within its boundaries. So the difference between the richer parts of Greater Manchester, uh, largely the centre and the south of the um, of the city region, the gaps between those and uh, some of the kind of poorer outlying towns, places like Oldham. Bolton, Wigan, Rochdale are just as just as wide and just as significant. So, you know, so 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 you've got uh, you know already you've got kind of the intersection of wealth, of of uh, um, poverty, of race, of place, and then COVID. COVID shines a light on health inequality, of course. And you're right to say that uh, Greater Manchester and the Northwest experienced. Uh, um, a pretty uh, a pretty tough period. I mean, everybody's had a pretty tough period with COVID, of course. But compared to the rest of the UK, uh, Greater Manchester has been locked down for longer, <laughs> uh, and has had kind of you know three three distinct waves of COVID, and kind of of of, of all the similar sort of uh, areas in in um, in England and the UK. Um, you know, more more of Manchester, if you like, has been has been kind of experiencing restrictions of different types than pretty much anywhere else in the country. So you can add, you know, you can add some pre-existing health inequalities, and you can add um, the particular health and economic inequalities that COVID has brought as yet another layer on top of that kind of you know that multifaceted set of inequalities that um, faced us as a commission when we. Uh, when we kind of sat down and tried to work out what we might be able to do about You were discussing the level of inequality and how it's replicated in each of these different areas. And you mentioned how it is place-based. And I think that's really interesting to our listeners who are often working in to improve places. And, and I think, could you talk a little bit more about how inequality and place are linked in the sense, you know, the street that you inhabit or the road, how does that influence your level of health or your um, social capital? Sure. Well, that's a good, that's a good way of, of looking at it. I mean, I think just to sort of backtrack, um, a little, you know, the, the the two the two fundamental levels of spatial inequality that that Greater Manchester experiences. One is uh, one is regional, you know, and that and that as I've as I've sort of explained is is the significant distance between Greater Manchester as a whole and kind of you know the richer the richer regions in England and the UK, notably London and the southeast. Um, and you know, if you compared Greater Manchester to other similar cities in Europe and the US, you know that's a long way below the level of performance economically than um, uh, you know than the kind of leading, richest uh, equivalent places. So you, you know, so as a whole, Greater Manchester is significantly poorer than London and the South East. So that's that's one thing that is really important to bear in mind. Uh, the, the second uh, level of that kind of uh, uh, inequality is the intra-regional inequality within Greater Manchester, which basically replicates <laughs> in a microcosm that same degree of inequality. In other words, the richer parts of uh, Greater Manchester are significantly wealthier, uh, uh, higher employment rates, higher wages, uh, higher GVA than the poorer parts. And the, the richer parts tend to be in the centre of Manchester uh, and to the south 
of the city centre, not exclusively, but but they tend to be uh, to the south, where kind of where, where the University of Manchester is, uh, um, in the kind of richer suburbs uh, of the city uh, towards the south, but also the kind of richer outlying boroughs, uh, uh, Stockport as well as Trafford, uh, for example, and the poorer, the poorer, the much poorer boroughs tend to be kind of to the north uh, and to the east and west. So places like Rochdale, Oldham, uh, Wigan, Bolton, Berry, you know, these are the, these are the kind of former mill towns. Now, again, within within each of those local authority areas, there are there are well-off places and less well-off places. Uh, but as a whole, those those places are significantly poorer again in earnings, in um, employment, and in um, overall kind of you know GDP and GDP uh, GDA compared to the other parts of, of the city region. So, so, so in other words, you know, there are, there are kind of, you know, differences that affect the whole city region and there are differences at, at a much more local authority and local level. And, um, you know, as you, as you suggest there with social capital, you know, that is also an indicator that is a problem. Um, you know, social capital tends to be higher in the richer areas, uh, kind of, you know, networks, uh, the state of the voluntary sector, again, you know, they exist throughout and, and lots of, Lots of them have really sort of come to the fore during COVID, but but you know you tend to see higher levels in the richer places than you do in the kind of poorer places. So you know so so that the spatial the spatial nature of inequality is a is a big deal, and this is a you know I've I've already mentioned Andy Burnham facing an election like other city region mayors this week in England, very significant. So it's the first time mayors have stood for re-election. So you know that inter- politically, that interrelationship between different places is, is is basically the thing that will decide the election. You know, do do people in kind of Oldham and Rochdale think he's doing the right thing for them as well as for the city region as a whole, um, or or is it just the kind of richer ones, or is it just those in the centre of Manchester? So you know, in in the election campaign, and and this is again replicated across other city region mayoral elections across the country you know what balance of kind of policies and interests and narratives are people like andy trying to tell and and the inequalities commission you know was really sort of set up to sort of think about some of those things as well as some of the other inequalities health uh, uh, race uh, that i've already mentioned so you know understanding place um why places are poor why why people in places are poor, why they experience discrimination of different types, why their life chances are less, uh, um, why their health is lower. Uh, you know, these these are all kind of, you know, major, major factors as they are, as they are for kind of, you know, any professional thinking about uh, intra-regional uh, or place-based kind of inequality. I was looking at the recommendations that came out and it did struck me how many of them were um, really fundamental to, I mean, there's one here to set up a land commission to look at the ownership and control of land. There is scaling up public and social sector house building to affordable more, to, to deliver more affordable homes. And then there is this um, Pathfinder model to target 10 deprived neighborhoods. 
Um, and I wondered whether you could talk about that relationship to, to land ownership and, and housing availability. Is Manchester, when we think about Manchester right now as going through an urban renewal program, it's got a lot of action happening in the city. A lot of development has been happening and is happening. So in many ways, we think of it as this place on the up. But are you seeing... Um, uh, that that could actually aggravate these inequalities, or is um, you know is that the concern behind the um, the affordable house building drive and the land ownership question? Yeah, so so Manchester, you're right. Manchester is a is a city on the up, uh, but not all of Greater Manchester is, and even in the parts that are on the up, um, you know there are there are challenges and inequalities that kind of come from that. And, 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 you know, a lot of this starts with that kind of broader economic story. So, you know, as Manchester, as, as the city of Manchester has uh, um, been reconstructed um, and literally reconstructed, you know, a huge chunk of it was kind of blown up in, in the 90s um, uh, in a kind of a, in, in a bombing related to, to the... To the uh, uh, the, the Irish kind of troubles, um, one of the last actually in kind of mainland Britain. So, so you know, literally it was being kind of reconstructed. But, but Manchester has benefited from um, a, a economic agglomeration in the restructuring economy as, as kind of jobs have and, and businesses have been kind of focused on, on city centres rather than in outlying places. And that's kind of happened across the world, you know. And someone like... Um, uh, uh, and Enrico Moretti in the US, who wrote, wrote about the new geography of jobs, you know, described that same kind of, you know, kind of concentration of wealth into places, into sort of cities that had certain sets of advantages. And Manchester's been one of them. Um, of course, that, that, that um, you know, that was a big feature of the initial drive for devolution. So in the sort of, um, in, the, uh, in the later years of the last Labour government, uh, Manchester and its kind of, you know, and the local authorities around it was really kind of lobbying hard for more local control over, uh, over kind of its affairs. And, um, and eventually, albeit under a Conservative government, some of those ambitions became kind of, uh, um, uh, some of those devolution ambitions were fulfilled. But, but, but the, the model was essentially, was essentially an economic. How do, how do you take those assets? How do you take that kind of agglomeration? How do you take those kind of structural changes and really, really kind of put rocket boosters under Manchester's uh, growth? And that essentially is what's happened. Um, you know, a, a, a very much a kind of private sector-led regeneration kind of model um, bringing kind of housing, lots of kind of, you know, uh, high-end housing into the city centre, lots of um, lots of kind of housing for, you know, a new generation of professionals in business services, big expansions of kind of universities and the science base. You know, all of this has driven growth, material growth in the city centre. But at the same time, uh, um, you know, the economies of places around the city centre haven't experienced those levels of growth. You know, they haven't had those advantages. And uh, and so so in the inequalities commission, the, the land commission is is in one sense uh, um, a riposte to that. It's kind of you, you know the, the the local authorities, the ten local authorities own a lot of land. Um, 
you know you can choose to to let let the private sector develop housing and other uh, you know other developments in those places or you can you know you can think about other outcomes that you're trying to achieve with the land that you're that you own or, or that you sell um, so the land commission was an attempt to kind of think about that um, but more broadly um, you, you know all a variety of kind of forces that 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 sort of process has sort of created in Manchester uh, the the inequalities commission was kind of thinking about well what are what are the interlinking things? You know, what about jobs? What about uh, firms? What about the types of firms? What about the different sectors that make up the, Man- the, the kind of Manchester and Greater Manchester economy? How do you, you know, how do you dr- address inequality within all of those things in a kind of success- successful, sustained way? So, you know, in many ways, you know, land was part of that mix, uh, but it's uh, it's only one part of that mix. Is there a, a problem with housing in Manchester as there is in other places, um, you know, in terms of affordable of affordability? You know, we're hearing a lot about the Northwest having the hottest housing market at the moment. Um, presumably that's because it is more affordable than other places. Is that actually, you know, a, um, a dangerous moment uh, for Greater Manchester as well? Yeah, and this is, you know, this is nothing new to anybody in, in Greater Manchester. It's nothing new to anybody in lots of cities. It's, um, you, you know, there has been growth. There has been growth in population. There has been growth in, in, uh, in the economy. But it's been, it's been concentrated in certain places. And um, the, the, the kind of, you know, what we've generally seen, and again, you know, Manchester is no different to lots of other cities, lots of other city regions. We've seen this kind of, you know, uh, this sort of hourglass economy emerge where you've got some, you know, very high value, very high earning jobs at the top of the hourglass, but you've also got kind of a fundamental growth in insecure work, uh, low paid work, uh, precarious work, or growth in kind of people that cycle in and out of those kinds of jobs and kind of unemployment or inactivity. And we've seen, you know, technology and globalization squeeze the middle. Uh, And, um, you, you know, so lots of that development, lots of the things that are kind of, you know, making use of of that growth, fulfilling that mission, if you like, that devolution mission of being focusing on that top half of the hourglass. Um, in, in Manchester, in the city centre, kind of, you know, that that's pushed out a lot of people. It's made housing, the housing that is going up less affordable. It's made the housing that does exist uh, um, under greater demand. It's kind of, um, you know, it's pushed up. It's pushed up the value in the in, in the kind of cheaper areas as well, if you like. But but around the city region, you know, that hourglass is is slightly, you know, the shape is slightly different. You know, there's more at the bottom than there is at the top. There's plenty of land. There's plenty of housing, but um, people don't want to live there. <laughs> uh, um, and all the demand overall is is less uh, uh, intense and significant. So there's you know in housing terms there's oversupply in some places and undersupply and tensions and pressures in others. And so again you know there's a, there's a sense of kind of well how, how can we balance the needs of kind of you know people who are experiencing the economy from you know those two different places? How can you balance the needs of different? towns and communities within greater manchester as a whole and how can you kind of you, you know create a, a city region that is more that is more prosperous it needs to catch up with you know other city regions um so you, you know so some of those kind of wealth creating things are incredibly important uh, to, to addressing that but but can you also have strategies that kind of make 
uh, make housing and kind of, you know, life generally more affordable and fairer for everybody else in the city. So, you know, in many ways, these are, these are very, very familiar problems uh, um, to, to cities that are a similar size uh, to Manchester and to the city regions that surround them. Um, um, but it's a, it's a real balancing act. And I think kind of, you know, the Inequalities Commission both attempted to shine a light on the, the nature and extent of those inequalities, as well as come up with some uh, concrete proposals about how you might achieve that balance. I think some of these proposals um, seem radical to me. Some of the uh, ideas around um, a guaranteed income um, and I, I wondered whether you might talk about some of some of the pro- proposals that you see as as being perhaps the the newest and the and the, the freshest that you guys have put forward. And also, were there places that you looked um, to to kind of say actually, you know, models in uh, from around the world or other cities um, that you took inspiration from uh, in in order to develop some of these um, services for a good life as they're as they're yeah. So I mean, the, probably the most interesting international comparison, which kind of is is revealing itself after the Inequalities Commission has reported, you know, those in the US and the approach of Biden in the kind of American recovery plan. And, you know, he's he's looked very closely and included kind of, you know, education and social care and health uh, as as infrastructure. And, uh, um, you know, in a sense, that those were the sorts of ideas we were also looking at in the Inequalities Commission um, in the process of, of writing the final report. So, you know, we looked at, we looked at things, I mean, we, we, we tend, uh, not least if it's because it's kind of uh, research that's come out of the University of Manchester and elsewhere, we often describe kind of, you know, the care uh, economy as the foundation economy. You, you know, the, there are particular characteristics around employment in that sector that are problematic, you know, it's low paid, it's kind of, you, you know, it tends to be low skilled um, and funding for the sector as a whole is a problem. But, you know, it's 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 a big part of the greater Manchester economy as it is in other places. Um, we, we uh, you know, we saw uh, that as something that needed to be um, recognised as kind of uh, as 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 important sectors, as, as an important sector in itself. And, and Manchester, a previous... Um, a review, which uh, I was also involved in, uh, a, a, an independent prosperity review that Greater Manchester and the Mayor also commissioned, uh, has a lot of data on kind of the way the economy has evolved over the last 10 years. And what you find in Greater Manchester is that the kind of, you know, the proportion in the bottom end of that hourglass, the kind of, you know, what, what that report describes as the low pay, low productivity sectors is bigger and growing <laughs> than it is in comparable cities in in kind of in the UK and beyond, so you know, so so we felt there was there was a sense of kind of well, well, what are you going to do? What what can you do about you know these the kind of growing numbers of people in in those kinds of jobs? Um, and there were a variety of recommendations in in the report. One one which kind of came um, from Andy Burnham's first manifesto was the introduction of a good employment charter. Uh, and the introduction and, and closely attached to that was the introduction of a kind of, you know, a, a living wage across as much of the city region as you could kind of, you know, uh, um, manage. Uh, so, you know, there was a sense of kind of pulling the floor up uh, as, as as much as you could uh, to, to kind of, you know, to, to address 
address the kind of day-to-day challenges that people in those sectors face. And again, just to stress that stress that spatial inequality, you know, there are more of those jobs in places like Oldham and Rochdale than there are in kind of uh, uh, some parts of Manchester. And so, you know, that that is both a sectoral policy focused on the economy, but it's also a spatial policy focused on places where, you know, those kind of low pay, low productivity jobs are are more of an everyday norm to to workers and kind of families in, in some parts of the city. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about people who aren't maybe familiar with the term care economy or foundation economy. What, what do you lump into the care economy? I think people automatically associate it with care homes, maybe, but I think it's it's got a broader societal makeup, maybe, which they're less familiar with. So what is that foundational or care economy? Uh, well, so the, found, the foundational and kind of the care economy is 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 essentially about care. It, so, so it does include uh, um, care, care homes, um, elderly care. Uh, you, you know, which which again, you know, if if you look at COVID, has been a real a real kind of you know. Uh, factor in the UK's high high mortality rate um, and some of the kind of policy decisions that that have been made as 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 the country's experienced that and you know and that was just as significant in in Great Manchester as we've already discussed um, but it's also childcare uh, it's also kind of you know any any form of adult social care um, that. Um, uh, you know that the local authorities tend to be in the lead, the statutory lead for not not exclusively. You know, so childcare is kind of you know provided as is social care across a mishmash of uh, public sector funding and private sector uh, uh, organisations and and kind of everything in between. So um, you, you know, partly it's that, it's that disparate nature of kind of you know those sectors that contribute to some of the problems. But it's it's also you know going back to the independent prosperity review, um, the low pay low productivity sector um, that that we described in that report, uh, you know, extends to kind of other other sectors. So it's the care economy, but it's also retail. It's also uh, um, sport, uh, and uh, you know, which which it turns out is a big <laughs> a big part of the economy in uh, in Greater Manchester. Maybe not surprising to some people. Um, Retail distribution, those kinds of things. So, so, so there are there are kind of other sectors that make up that bigger low pay, low productivity uh, um, kind of part of the economy in the labour market. But the the care element is uh, is 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 one that kind of you know rightly receives a lot of attention around uh, you know around kind of that that day to day infrastructure. Now, in many ways, kind of COVID has, has kind of added a whole bunch of other other parts of those sectors to to what we might think of as that day to day infrastructure, that foundation economy. So, you know, uh, essential shops, uh, keeping kind of our our household supply chains going. Uh, uh, you know, from food to uh, essential work, um, uh, key workers, teachers, uh, college lecturers. Uh, um, council employees kind of, you know, delivering kind of uh, care, um, delivering food uh, and and all the rest of that. So in many ways, kind of COVID has shone a light on what and, and probably expanded what we think of as the foundation economy. Um, so, so, you know, we tried, we tried to kind of pick up on that. And I think if, you know, this is one of those examples where if you lay the independent prosperity review alongside the Inequalities Commission, you know, both commissioned by the mayor. Um, you know, you, you you have two halves that you can kind of 
join together and get a, a greater understanding of where the greater Manchester labour market is and what you might do about it. And foundational, obviously, because if you don't have essential shops or food shops or provision for childcare or elder care, or kind of this this basic level of um, of affordable provision, you lock a lot of people out of the economy. Is that the fundamental understanding around it? I mean, you can't participate. Is it is it that you want to value that at a higher or um, level, or you want to provide for it so that people are freed up, or both? Both, both. I think it's 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 fundamental to the economy in lots of different ways. You, you know, unless you've got those needs. Uh, kind of managed and met, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of other activities that kind of, you know, the labour market and kind of, you know, people in in, in much higher paying jobs can't, you know, can't do and, and, and certainly wouldn't have been able to do during the last, uh, the last 12 months of the pandemic. Um, so, you know, in many ways, that's shown the interrelationship between what we call in Manchester, the foundational economy and kind of, you know, in the rest of the economy. Um, but I think it's... Um, I think it also shows, and I think this is this is something that we touch touch on quite a lot in the Inequalities Commission work, is that um, you, you know there's there's also a pretty significant um, uh, social infrastructure, uh, social capital, as you've mentioned. So you know there's a big role for the voluntary sector in here. Um, you, you know, so 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 there's a there's an element of that foundation economy that does extend to slightly different types of organisations, the way they're configured, the way they're the way employees function, the way the way profits are kind of uh, um, created and shared. So you know, so there's a, there's another strand to this which we pick up on in the uh, in the uh, report, which is kind of how do you, how do you recognise that and build that uh, to the kind of levels that uh, uh, you know we might see in other in other cities across Europe and and uh, and beyond. You talked about the turbo-boosted private sector-fueled regeneration. How do we do that better? Because it's clearly not working for everybody. So how do we, um, if we assume, which I think we can, that that kind of development is going to continue, how do we, you know, create um, sufficient policies or structures around that to ensure that we don't just... uh, aggravate that hourglass shape or enlarge that hourglass shape so i mean this is the this is the fundamental question of kind of urban development and kind of you know in urban politics that faces every, every, everywhere not just just manchester but yeah no no pressure yeah. well, well I, I mean i i probably take a slightly different view to some of my fellow commissioners on this i mean you know in that uh, and I think you, you know you're you're touching on this in the question. You, you know, and this goes back to that inequality between Manchester and other cities in in, in England and and the kind of underperformance is that we do need that top half of the hourglass to grow. Um, you, you know, without it, the cake, <laughs> the you, you know that you can choose to share or not to share is smaller. And you know, and you need to kind of build the economy of the city region as much as you can in order to deliver the the ambitions that you have around kind of uh, inequality, economic or social, or kind of any of those areas that we've talked about. Um, the, the, great, the great kind of um, paradox of Manchester um, of the last 10 years has been that, you know, as you've said, the, the, that, that 
uh, upper part of the hourglass has done relatively well. Um, but uh, austerity, you know, we've done that growth. We've kind of, you know, we've we've produced those strategies uh, both in in governments, but also in kind of the private sector. You know, developers have come in. You know, all of that stuff has gone well, but it's it's happened at the same time that kind of a decade of austerity has pulled the rug out to kind of you know all sorts of different things that might have allowed you to plug more people from more places into that growth and that that affects everything not just local authority budgets or budgets for social care uh, but it also affects kind of you know building infrastructure so you know things like trams or bus routes or roads you know all of that all of that has been kind of um you know going in the wrong direction whilst uh, other bits of the city was going in a kind of better direction and it also applies to things like education so um, you know, higher education has done pretty well out of the last 10 years of funding and growth and expansion, but further education has done appallingly over the last 10 years. So budgets for colleges that exist in all of those places dotted around Greater Manchester have essentially been halved. Um, so if you're not going to university or if you're a, an adult learner, you know, your, your opportunity, and again, again, we're in a different definition of infrastructure. You, you know, that human capital is part of the kind of Biden approach. It hasn't been part of our approach. So in many ways, you know, that, that last decade of growth, which Greater Manchester has needed, has been accompanied by kind of reductions in resource and kind of, you know, reductions in investment in things that might have allowed it, might have enabled more people and more places in the city region to kind of benefit from that growth. And that hasn't happened. So that's created, that's exacerbated those divisions. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's forced uh, um, a more dramatic shaping of that hourglass, if you like. Um, so, so I think one part of this is just recognising that that's what's happened <laughs> and, um, and, and recognising that kind of, you, you know, you know to, to even stand a chance of, um, uh, of, of better distributing kind of, you know, the, the benefits of that growth you know, you need to reverse some of those things. Um, and you need to work really, really hard at reversing some of those things. And and even if you do that, it might not be enough. <laughs> so, you know, so in lots of ways, and I think I, my own view is that, you know, the, the model of growth that Greater Manchester went for did rely rather too much on, uh, you know, increase people's skills, increase people's roots into the city, and they'll get those new jobs that are being created. I'm, I'm vastly reducing the proposition, as lots of people will know. But, um, um, you, you know, I think, I think again, and again, this has been exacerbated in, in COVID, but um, I think kind of, you know, that, that was, while some of that applies, um, I think what we've seen over the last uh, decade, really, and certainly over the last five years, and and don't forget, this is also the the kind of thing that's you know that disaffection, that disconnection is also what's driving our national politics. You know, it's that that helps to show the Brexit vote, the left behind kind of places. Uh, it's that that kind of has helped to shape kind of you know the current government's majority across communities uh, like uh, Bolton, Wigan. Uh, Rochdale, where, you know, more Conservatives have won um, parliamentary seats and more will probably win councils uh, come uh, Thursday's local elections. So, you know, so there is a sort of sense that, that um, you know, that, that political and economic and sort of social disconnection is, is something that you have to do better at. 
and and you know you have to you know you can't just give up on places and people um you know even if you're coming at this from a pragmatic perspective rather than a sort of principled one um you know you need some good policy ideas for what oldham is going to be in the future and kind of for the economy as of, of oldham uh using oldham as a metaphor for lots of places and you need just as many if not more because <laughs> it's harder <laughs> uh, to work out what those answers are than you might need for kind of what's the economy of manchester going to look like the center of manchester the city of manchester going forward that's that's a that's an easier policy proposition you know we know what some of those answers are and we've seen those answers over the last decade um you know you, you spend more money on r&d <laughs> you can spend more on kind of infrastructure connecting cities um you know high speed trains or kind of you know medium speed trains you, you can you can spend more money on on education you can spend more money on kind of you, you know some of the things that um we see lots of countries uh, and lots of administrations kind of grapple with but but the much harder question uh, uh, and 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 politically just as important question is kind of okay I get I get what's going to happen in Manchester I can see some of the evidence of that <laughs> um but um but what what's what does the next 10 years look like in old and if you're the mayor standing for re-election in greater manchester you're walking those streets asking for those votes if you're the prime minister or seeking to be the prime minister of uh, the united kingdom you're also walking those streets and kind of trying to answer those questions and um like i say the 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 policy ideas there are you know perhaps the most charitable way of describing it is that they're less well developed <laughs> the the more damning way is that the policy cupboard hasn't come up with those ideas uh, and it needs to otherwise you know we're going to we're going to have the same kind of politics and of course this is this is just as big a it's and and continues to be just as big an issue say in the american rust belt or kind of you know the north of uh, and uh, former industrial areas of France or Germany um you, you know over the long term you've got to think much much more uh, about those places and the people that live in them and the people that are left in them than than we have done over the last time you you talk about this um it's almost it's not enough to just have those jobs created and to create a you know a, a mode of transportation to get to those jobs you you need some connection some way into that um to that work you need to not be left in in where you are or even for that job to come to come to to where you are um this these communities i get the sense from what you're saying that a lot of trust has been lost in government um there is a lot of disaffection a lot of anger i'm sure as well um and uh, how do you regain trust how do you uh, you talked about the need to, to to regain uh to kind of undo some of the damage that's been done um and the challenges of that so what do you see as some of the first steps towards reducing inequality and reaching those communities what would you do first i mean the first the first step has got to be has got to be kind of um, being there <laughs> uh, and listening to people and understanding what they want um and what their ambitions are and what their frustrations are um and that and, and that covers a kind of range of different things i mean i mean we've stressed a lot of the kind of economic gaps um you know if you look at if you compare say 
the adult population of Oldham to the adult population of Trafford, which is the wealthiest, by far the wealthiest borough in Greater Manchester. Um, the amount of people with a higher education qualification in Oldham is a quarter of the adult population. In Trafford, it's a half. Um, if you compare the kind of proportion of the adult population without any formal qualifications at all, in Oldham, it's 12%. In Trafford, it's two or three. <laughs> you, you know, so, so you know, we, we talk about skills being important and connecting people to jobs. You know, none, <laughs> so, so, so many less of those adults in Oldham are going to kind of be anywhere near those jobs while those education levels remain as starkly different as, as they are. But I think, I think you know, we can get that. But I think there are also a range of things where, you know, go, you know, go to the high street, which is so symbolic of decline and disconnection. Um, you know, what, what are the businesses that are still there? What, um, uh, what are the ones that have gone? Go to the kind of sectors that, that are still somewhere in some of the supply chains. You know, manufacturing does still exist in Oldham. Is it is it at the high end? Most of it isn't. Um, but but what can you do to kind of you know uh, uh, put that into the kind of you know the, the the growth manufacturing sectors, the growth material sectors, and likewise, how do you connect kind of you know the health and social care jobs and businesses that do exist into some of the kind of you know the life sciences, the kind of you know the health and social care, and after all, you know one of the powers that Greater Manchester has is around health and social care devolution. So, you know, running the NHS and all of those kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, services and uh, jobs and kind of, you know, facilities and institutions. So I think, I think kind of, you know, the first steps are kind of understanding people and listening to them and, and uh, um, getting a sense of what, what they want for their places and what they want for their families in those places. And, uh, and, and you know, this kind of thing, it's a contact sport. You can't do it from distance. You can't, and that distance, even if it's the the you know this, this city hall uh, or Westminster or or Brussels, you know you can't you can't understand. You can't kind of understand people's lives unless you unless you're there listening to them and communicating with them on a kind of you know on a regular sustained basis. Um, and I think I think kind of you, you, you know there, there are a bunch of things that we we can see about the economic gaps. But I think, you know, we can also understand some of the issues around identity. Um, you know, what are the things that kind of, you know, people see being run down in places like Oldham? Is it, is it some of the kind of cultural facilities? Is it, is it particular types of businesses, you know, the, the department store or the pub or the local paper? Um, you know, is it public sector institutions? Um, you know, if you go back, go back sort of 50 years, Oldham, the hospital in Oldham was the one kind of pioneering uh, the test tube baby. Um, you know, the idea that uh, a hospital in Oldham will kind of, you know, lead the world in scientific kind of exploration and discovery is, is, feels long gone. But, um, but, but should it? You know, perhaps, perhaps uh, and, and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of my colleagues at the university kind of make the point in life sciences and health that the best, uh, that you know, the best research, the best kind of uh, um, shifts in life science and health and care will happen where where the populations have the most health challenges because that's where you do the discovery. You know, you don't do it in some kind of you know ridiculously healthy bit of kind of in the southeast of England. 
<laughs> so you know so that so there are kind of opportunities there are things that you can do but you have to you have to ask people and talk to people rather than kind of work out what those answers are from from distant i'm going to hold that placemaking is a contact sport i'm going to remember that for a long time definitely that just leaves me to thank you so much for this conversation. It's been brilliant talking to you about uh, the commission and its work. Thanks for listening. Our podcast is produced by Simon Mercer with music by Fortet. If you like what you hear, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thedeveloperuk. You can sign up to our newsletter on our website, thedeveloper.live, and check out our live events on making more sustainable and equitable places at festivalofplace.co.uk. Thanks a lot. See you next time.